Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Did you miss me? Yes. Did you? I already told you I missed you. I just wanted to hear but you I, say but it. I, I, but I miss you less because I'm I got, back now. <laughs> I got no lay. I got no macadamia nuts. I got no pineapples. I got You got me back. That's pretty much that, all you that, got. That's and, and you came back with no tan. <laughs> Sorry. I mean I don't tan, I burn. And I had no desire just, to burn. Did you just stay inside the whole time? No, no, we spent plenty of time outside. But really? I, I don't no, I don't There's play like with the no sun proof of it. There's lots of like, pictures. Let me see, like, I even had a Hawaiian shirt on. Take off your there. wedding ring first. Is there even a line? There's a line. Yeah, but how? That's it's a, not a line. It's a light that's, line. No, I that's don't, just your I skin I don't squeeze. change colors. <laughs> I just burn. I, I will tell you, and I told you on last week's show, the idea of watching sports in the morning and at yeah. 3 o'clock in the afternoon for night games is fantastic. Um, you know, sitting poolside watching the Sixers-Celtics game and Thursday night football. You should have stayed, by I the way, for that. the Hawaii Bowl or whatever they call it now. So it's funny you say that because we had a bunch of different Uber drivers and, like, shuttles from the hotel, and everybody's a fan yeah, of you're some... Real, you're a real man of the people. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't it go anywhere. chauffeurs. Go ahead. Well, the Uber people were, weren't mm-hmm. very nice. Uh, yeah, tell your story. they are all fans of different sports teams from all around the country because they don't have any pro sports teams. So, you know, our driver back to the airport was a Washington fan, and I, I wished him, you know, mm-hmm. sorry that he had to deal with that. There were Patriots fans, Steelers fans, Raiders fans. I went to a restaurant. The guy was like a season ticket holder for the San Francisco Giants baseball team and mm-hmm. had shirts up on the wall. So it's just interesting not having a pro sports team, see how people choose their allegiances and teams. Did you work while you were out there? No. On the show? On the show? Yeah. I called in. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What? You're going to hit you. Either I'm going to hit you in the head or you're going to slap yourself in the head when I say this. Did what? you go see Chang Victorino? No, I didn't. See? He was there last How? week. He was there the week before. He wasn't there. How do you know? Because he was actually at the hotel that we were at, so they told us he was there. So What do you mean he was there the week before? Apparently he, he has like, a house there. Why I, would he stay in your hotel? He was there for like a meal or something. I don't know. They said Oh, so then there. he still could have been in town. Probably. He wasn't he hanging just out wasn't with at me. your restaurant. Look, you've got more friends than me. Haven't we been through this? Jeez. I don't know people. I just sit and talk to you. You should have went and said hi. So the moral of the story is I got nothing for you. I brought nothing back. I didn't get any did content or Did you try Poi? Yeah, I did. That was good. What do you mean it was good? See, now I know you didn't try it. No, that was the, that's the pork, no, right? No. What's, the, what's the, the pig pork that they have? Because I had that at the luau. Pork. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. The poi is the purple stuff. No, it's like a spread. That. This is a waste it, of a conversation, has, by the way. Nobody absu- cares about this. It has absolutely no flavor. Robert's laughing at you behind the glass. I mean, he looks frigid. He's got like a winter coat on behind. There's there's no heat in here for him. Well, then you can go in there and snuggle, and I'll stay out here and do the show. Tell me about Army-Navy, because you were on the field with the, with the with your son covering it for us. What was that experience like? So so the bummer of it, to get that out of the way, was the weather. So they couldn't do what, what they've done in years past, which is where they have the... the the jumpers come out of the plane and they come down with the football and a bunch of other stuff and then they have the flyovers but the weather was so bad at the beginning of the game i mean the fog was so bad driving over the bridge you literally couldn't I, see i was the telling water. you we landed in that right. saturday morning early and i couldn't see till we were on the runway but we got to meet the navy goat big Look at thing you. we we got the you we got to make a new friend is what's most important i made no new friends you met your it best friend game. urban meyer <laughs> 
Tell me about and anybody how who listens you to this show Urban knows Meyer, that, that you are dripping with the sarcasm. Michigan man hanging out with your favorite Ohio State former he, he head He was coach. standing by the – I guess he was there for a college game day. I'm not sure because um, I didn't see Desmond Howard there. That's who I – I always tell you pictures or it didn't happen, and you got pictures for me. Yeah, I mean, look. Because I I wouldn't have believed you otherwise. Desmond I would have gone and hung out with, but but Urban I don't really have a (laughs) desire to go hang out with. But but I did go over and hang with him for a minute and take a photo. Tell him how you speak about him frequently on the air. No, and I did not have anything that said Michigan, and I was told after I took the photo, why didn't you say go blue to him? But so for Missed opportunity, For for Michigan Nation, I I blew it. Okay. But um, Uh, who else did you meet that you enjoyed, or what was the experience like? I saw the pictures with Alex on the field. And well, it was a historic game. I mean, the the quarterback for Navy set the all time record. This was the hundred and twentieth meeting, and set the all time record with over three hundred yards yeah. rushing. There were exactly three passes attempted in the game, only one by the winning team, and it was by the running back, not the quarterback. <laughs> Has that ever happened before? So, and the game didn't start on time. It didn't start at three. It started around three thirty. It okay. was over by six o'clock because there was no stoppages. It was just handoff, 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 and then punt or handoff, 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 and score, which is was what Navy did because Army looked great coming out of the gate, and then Navy what, just in the took uniforms? over the game. Well, th- th- <laughs> they are great. Those. Every every one of the years that they do this, they always have great uniforms. I told you Not I like the, the jerseys, army uniforms, but the but the helmets are always so great. I mean, a couple of years ago when they had the battleships on it, the different each position category had a different type of of boat on it. Give us a feel for the atmosphere in the stadium. Oh, it was great. I mean, you have half half the stadium is rooting for army, half the stadium is rooting for navy. The cadets are there; they're all in their seats an hour before the game, and it was. You would have thought, by the way, Army was winning the game by watching the Army cadets on their sideline. They're having a good time. The other thing is is, is the amount of fries they must sell. I, I guess they don't get to eat this stuff in the, <laughs> the stadium. The things that you analyze when you go I'm, to games. I'm telling you, me. there wasn't a single cadet that did not have, or midshipman that did not have a bucket of fries in their hands. Hard-hitting they must sports not- news from Jeff Cohen. <laughs> you put that press pass to good use, man. <laughs> you know what? Go back to Hawaii. All right. It's time to air some grievances. Robert, are you ready? The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. Jeff, I am not one of your grievances you're allowed to talk about. You are one of my grievances. But I got plenty to go with here. It is my favorite holiday. Where do you want to start with your sports complaints? I will let you go first. Where am I going to start? Take your pick. What did I tell you this morning I wanted to start with? What did you say? You didn't say what you wanted to start with, but I know that uh, load management is always one that's nah, right up there on your not. list. We, we went through that last week. No. Th- you said Thursday Night Football. That there was you, you go. See, that's what we should be starting with because for the first time that I can remember, at least since summer, you didn't get to ask me, did I watch Thursday Night Football? And so what did I text you on Thursday afternoon? <laughs> you were excited there was no I Thursday s- night football. I said, football. Ha- happy no Thursday night football day. There's actually a Saturday double, three, triple three. header. There's triple header. Yes. That so that's be. why there's not a Thursday night football day. That should be a, a fun day. They're not that good. Thursday game. night football is going to be back next year, Jeff. You know. know it. But It's not going away. But I get my reprieve now. Uh, I will go celebrations after everything that you do first down. Not after what I do. Little play. I don't accomplish that much. You make a comment here and you celebrate in the background. I, the only time I the celebrate one that annoys- here is when you say, Jeff, you were right. 
The one that annoys me the most is when they celebrate after making a big play when they're down really, really big in the game. Like you're down 20 points and you're celebrating making a tackle. It's like, come on. You're killing me, man. What are you doing? Your next one. Take your pick. So many Way to things. be prepared for this segment, Jeff. Yeah, well, you know how my feelings about the shift if you want to go baseball. All right, the baseball shift, it ain't going away either. Why not? Because it's effective for teams, and baseball doesn't seem interested in changing it from right. when I asked Bud to when you hear Manfred talk. All right, so if you, if you don't want to go with that one, then, then I'm going to go with something that just happened while you were away, which is they are implementing the three batter minimum or end an inning for pitchers so you have a grievance before it even starts no uh, so i'm asking you now is that a grievance for you are you okay with it in the long run you didn't expect no in the long run i'll be fine with it because baseball robert you got a fence in there that jason can sit on no i don't think it's a good rule i don't think that's the problem what's why is it not a problem that that the pitchers changed every single batter the problem is the amount of time in between pitches, not the pitcher changes. No, th- th- that's not the problem. The, th- look, you could take up This all- is going to cut down on two changes a game. No, you're wrong. Go back and look. It's not. And, and think about the number of times. It's not just two, two times a game because keep in Mr. mind. Mr. Traditionalist uh, is okay with this artificial three batter face I'm thing. I'm totally copacetic with it. They don't tell you that the starting pitcher has to go five innings. No. What's the difference? <laughs> like I, you were prepared for I, that? No, no, because I also think that this is beneficial for the pitchers. I mean, having gone through the Hobie Milner debacle and, and all the other things, I just think that this will be if pitchers aren't coming in every five minutes and aren't pitching ninety, a hundred games a year. I think that this will be better for pitchers as well. They I'm, are they are adding a roster spot though. That's important. I'm yeah. surprised that you're in favor of that, actually. They could have as many roster spots as no, they want. No, not the roster spot, the, the pitch limit well, that you have to pitch to three people. If nothing else, I do, I come here just to surprise you. I've got two that are sort of tied together. Instant mm-hmm. replay becomes an instant disaster, and the NFL catch rule, what's a catch? <laughs> By the way, instant replay didn't become an instant disaster. No, the review of it, the catch it, it is ridiculous. It has progressively It exacerbates worse. how bad right. it is. It's just... Ridiculous. Yeah, but th- wait, but that can't be your grievance. No, it's your grievance. That that's been, that was my grievance I'm, when they implemented I'm it, and you kept gr- saying, "Don't you want them to get it right?" And my response was, "They're still not going to get it right, and it's going to be even more annoying because you're going to sit there. You just offered and watch a 10 grievance replays. for three strikes, or you have to face three batters. It isn't implemented again. I don't have a grievance for that. No, not at all. No yeah. grievances. All right. all right, flopping, diving, embellishing in sports. <laughs> Come on. Did you see the basketball player who got the charge the other night? He was just barely touched. He was like grazed on the shoulder oh, you, and he you know, fell down like, like he had just been like bowled over. Our seats for are, are by the Sixers bench. And so so you can see what's going on pretty close up. And the number of times guys fall without literally being touched. Everybody always says soccer's it's where it's at. But you watch NFL, no, NBA, it, hockey. I mean, baseball, it's not the same because it's more obvious if you get hit by a pitch or something like that. Right. But, you know, hockey, diving, and embellishing of penalties, football with the embellishing of pass interference calls to get the calls, or embellishing of the hold where you stop the play and throw your arms up in the middle of it because they haven't called the Well, the reason that soccer is bad is because they could literally have a guy come out and the stretcher could come out and they could bring him off and then... Two minutes later, he's skipping around the court, the, the the pitch again. Like there's like nothing ever happened. It's no big deal. But with basketball, it is becoming increasingly worse as as the seasons go on, and uh, they have to start 
implementing either either something in game where you can contest some of these things. I know it's replay, but <laughs> but, but I'm glad you noticed that you're calling for more replay. No, but but the the number of ridiculous flops that goes on that there has to be a way to call technicals on it, and, and after a no, certain number of technicals, that's look. It. I'll you, give you another one. The, the hacker player. Oh well, I was there when they implemented it a few games ago in in the Wells Fargo Center. It was ridiculous because it wasn't just hack on hack a ban. It started with hack a ban, and then it was hack everybody on the Sixers ban. I mean, everybody on the court, and it was brutal to watch that. It just makes it way too long. Uh, I'm the digital guy. These YouTube only baseball games. Well, wait, wait, wait! Before we leave basketball, oh, I, you want to stick I, around? I have. You have one more grievances? Too. Yeah. Oh. You didn't, well, you didn't the, inten- the intentional foul. So with with the hack a ben or hack a whoever you want, the rule is supposed to be that if you intentionally cause a foul, it's two shots and the team that was fouled gets the ball back. If you're watching the last two minutes of a game and a team is down by eight or ten points and the ball is thrown in, and the guy comes over and gives a bear hug to the other guy. You think it should be an intentional, not a regular foul? Yeah, that'll stop it dead in its tracks. Dead in its tracks. Why don't they do that? I don't know. And it makes the game excruciatingly long. It's not fun. You'll be down there tonight. You That's put, a grievance. You put your no. money where your mouth is. I, you know what? Here's another grievance I have. That I don't listen you to. You are younger than me, and you have a worse memory than I do. You'll be down there tomorrow night. I will Washington. be there tomorrow night. But I thought the question was whether you were going to go tonight as well. No. Is that something you're no, debating? No, the question is was whether or not I was going to take my kid to go see Giannis on Christmas Day. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry, I can't keep these so games straight. So if anybody would like to, to call up To and give say, you tickets? Uh, I'll, pay, I'll pay for it. 888-728-9941. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff would like don't. your tickets. Robert is ready behind the glass to say yes. hi. Take them for you. Uh, are you done with your grievances, or can I go to more? Yeah, ahead. you can move on. Uh, YouTube games. Uh-huh. I hate it. Not a problem. I don't watch it. I mean, look, I'm a digital guy. I get that we're going to the world of streaming. I watch just them. YouTube, or you 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 have a problem with because Yahoo has a it lot is, too, right? It's the digital Prime only has content that I don't really like. If I have a very nice TV at home, why mm-hmm. do I have to watch it on YouTube? I'll listen to you. First, he goes to Hawaii. Now he talks about his really nice TV. No, I'm not. I'm saying in general, mm-hmm. if you're a person who paid for this whole great system yeah. to have in your house to watch mm-hmm. the games, why do you want to watch it on YouTube? What's the difference? The quality. Okay. See, you I go from know. high quality cable right. to a stream that buffers in the middle of it where you can turn off the comments, but if you don't, you got everybody commenting about Wait, whatever. They haven't fixed it yet? No. Like buffering still exists? It depends on your your connection and oh, your internet. So maybe it's you. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe, I maybe, not, so maybe you're talking about you how too. I've got maybe this big TV. Jason. Maybe I'm just too cheap to pay a cable bill. There you go. But, you know, it could be about me. I just don't think that the technology is there yet to do only that medium for people. I get ESPN Plus. I watch plenty of games there. But those are out-of-market games I couldn't normally get. Don't tell me that I can't watch my Phillies game locally if I want to watch it because it's only available on YouTube. Well, you and can then still, you can still watch on don't the do the local app, market yeah. blackout. That annoys me too. Local market blackouts are ridiculous. It's silly. In, in, this, in this age, thank you. There is no reason to have local market in this blackouts age in of any sport. Communication and digital, and you can go everywhere and you can watch anything. You go across a state line and they got a local market blackout. It's the dumbest thing I've seen. 
other grievances except, except, except for replay <laughs> uh, replays up there any other grievances that I you got, have i got nothing i, I really can i can i've I have, had just such a happy year can i have the eagles what? inability to tackle or turn their heads uh when they're defending passes well did you want to be more specific and just talk about ronald, ronald darby, darby? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh and this week so so let's go to the eagles for yeah. a second here so well that do you like what i did there that was a transition jeff I had a grievance for the Eagles, so we could then talk about it. But you blew it up by making it obvious that we were moving. Oh, right. Way to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's ahead. exactly what with you With your did. Eagles take. Go for so, it. So now who's going to play linebacker? <laughs> nope. Now that Gruget Hill is oh, out. Oh, God. There's, there's nobody left. Seriously, who who's who's left? Well, Gary is is there. Okay. Then who, then Bradham who is there. Right. At least he's healthy. Two. I don't know who the third is. Um, it, you know, this come, is the, the, the war of attrition is not being won by the Eagles. They have lost a lot of star players. So, I, so a buddy season. of mine called me today and said, look, because uh, I said, are you going to go to the, he always goes to the Dallas Eagles game. And I, I said, so you, you go in this year? And he goes, no, I'm not going. I'm too nervous. And I'm like, I'm like, why are you nervous? And, and he's he's like. I just think something's going to go wrong. I'm like, there's nothing left to go wrong. They have Don't to be under. Don't say and, that. And by the way, there's plenty they could still and, go. And wrong. by the way, so best case scenario is what they go eight and eight and somehow win the division. Of of the teams well, that's that are actually in it, my larger fear. I have this odd feeling that for some reason they'll beat Dallas, but then they'll lose to the Giants. Okay, so, and I don't know why. Well, but let's say they let's say they miraculously win both games somehow, and and they do that. And by the way, they better be throwing it to Zach Ertz, as far as I'm concerned, for my fantasy football team. It's the final. Oh, too. hold on. So, let's hold on our no, Eagles. No, okay, no. This is the end of your season one for fantasy. Yes. How did you do? Finals, dude. The two week final starting finals, this week. Finals, yes. All right. So, are you enjoying I your won fantasy the semifinals experience? in a huge upset? Are you enjoying your fantasy experience? I am. Okay. So all this I'm complaining possibly about money too. Fantasy isn't good. It's bad for the game. Everything that was the first couple years of our show together. I learned not do we to retract. Be a, in in my is there a Jeff was wrong segment coming? No. What I of course learned, not. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, but. I learned to control it this time around. Okay. The reason I stopped doing it was it it just becomes annoying that you have to check and see what's going on in the waiver wire. And this year I just said, you know, I'm not doing it. So I'll I'll just check on Thursdays before the dreaded Thursday night football game and I'll make my decisions then. And, and you I'm made a gonna, lot of decisions. And that, I'm not gonna worry about it. But I don't get it. what the other manager what the owners in your league were doing late and some of the players out there. Like Drew Brees? So I just Robert, <laughs> by the way, says that he's going to track and record where you were wrong just to go with the I oh, was great. wrong segment. Okay. So we'll have a repository okay. of things. That we well, then I have wrong. a grievance for for next year already, which is Robert. <laughs> <laughs> You're right ahead for the year. Um, I'm working on 2020. Already. <clears throat> it, it was so the end of the Eagles game actually last week impacted my fantasy matchup. Yeah, because my now opponent in the finals was his uh, his opponent in the semifinals had New Orleans defense. So Indianapolis gets a late score. He's up by two, right? He knows nothing about sports. Right? The only reason he's up by two is because he had the Eagles defense that got points off the Nigel Bradham meaningless touchdown at the mm-hmm. end of the game, which, by the way, if you gambled on the game, you know that the line was about four and a half at final. It was four. You, the game you ended didn't in gamble, 10. though, I hope. Me? Yeah. No, I don't gamble. Right. I just talk about other people gambling. Okay. 
No, nah, I don't do that myself. Can we talk about Greg Ward for a second? Go ahead. You reminded me. You would just uh, stop acting like you don't so, remember that I talked about him over no, the summer. I, first of all, I don't remember. I know because okay? you don't listen but, to me. But had I remembered, I would be pretending that I didn't remember anyway. <sighs> it, it seems like I, I will give you credit for half of, of this discussion. Which Do you is, hear that, Robert? I get half, half. credit. Let's so record I give, that. I will That's give, like all will, I'm going to get from Oh, them. shut up. Go uh, ahead. <laughs> I, I would give you credit for Miles Sanders because before the season started, you asked yeah, you every guest we him. had on this show, is Miles Sanders the answer? When are they going to use Miles Sanders wrong? Uh, right, more. You were right. Ah, Robert, timestamp. Miles Sanders has turned into a legitimate you know, stud Red. running back. Um, especially for fantasy. Yeah. Um, but he's still sitting on my bench this week. Wow, um, that, that's your portman. I do not remember Greg Ward. You, for all I know, you may have said it, but it still would have been a stupid thing to say. I will go find. Out. That's what you told me at the time. You told me that I was complaining that a receiver that wouldn't make the roster wasn't getting a chance. Right. In the preseason games, in the. So are you going to tell me? Look, you could have predicted Alshon Jeffrey was going to get hurt because he gets hurt every year. I said that when they signed him, that this was a bad signing. But okay. But you were supposed to have Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, and and Alshon Jeffrey. I thought he was better than receivers. Matt Collins. All along, that's what I told you. I never said that he was going to replace Deshaun. Right. I never said he would replace Alshon. I didn't say he'd replace Nelson. Mm -hmm. But they had this guy there, and instead they held on to a guy that they picked only because they picked him and didn't want to admit that they were wrong. Do you realize that le last week... Because McCown was trying to come in the game as a receiver. They could have had two quarterbacks at wide receiver. They could Because Ward was a, was a quarterback well, at Houston. I keep wondering when they're going to run the end around and have Greg Ward throw. Right. You know that has to be in the playbook. You can't give that away. I, I'm just saying. Now, if he throws an interception, it's on you. Everything would be on me it, anyway. It's on you. But it has to be in the playbook. How do you, how do you know the Cowboys are not, you know audio taping us in an illegal way like the Patriots. I promise you nobody is listening to us. <laughs> oh, you texted me by the way when I was when I was coming back about the the Patriots video coming out. Your your thoughts on the Patriots videotaping scandal. Wow. Uh, see, here's the problem. Does Robert need to have the so, dump so, button ready? So, no, no. But but I'll tell you as an attorney, okay? The, the the explanation that the Patriots have given makes entire sense. It, it 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 probably is the right answer, but they're the Patriots. And the, they have a that's the problem. The problem is, and this is what what we hear from from people inside other organizations: is why is it always the Patriots? Why does this keep happening to the Patriots? And this specific issue, which cost the owner a boatload of money, I believe it cost Belichick a boatload of money. I believe it cost them a draft, draft pick. pick. You would think this wouldn't happen again, and that if they were ever going to hire anybody that was going to carry their phone around, let alone video equipment, that they would make sure every single one of those people were trained rules. to say, here's the rules. We can't afford this not to happen. So if you're Roger Goodell now, do you have any choice, no matter what the explanation, they're, gonna, they're interviewing a ridiculous amount of people, but we've all now seen the videotape. Who put out the video? Oh. What do you mean who took it? It's clearly the Bengals security the Bengals people, right? The Bengals and the NFL. It, yeah. They're trying well, to I don't, shape no, public I don't, opinion. I don't think the NFL did it. I think the Bengals did it. You don't because think they're the trying Bengals to shape are, public opinion? The Bengals are furious. 
which I don't know why they're furious. They suck. They're the Bengals. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> they're the Bungles. So, so, Especially this season. But, you but now Joe ha- Mixon almost killed me last week in fantasy. So. <laughs> I don't talk about guys in See, so, so uh, there's, there's another grievance. People who draft for their fantasy team, bad dudes. I think there should be a rule in fantasy yeah, football. Yeah, you don't like that I have James be, Winston on my team. No, I don't like that. I understand. Either. Uh, but you know what? Now I'm hungry for crab legs. All right. Go back to talking <laughs> about this. Uh, let's what, talk so th- what are they going to do? What do you think is going to be the penalty now? With that video coming out, I would think they have to come down on them. So, well, yeah, they do. So what is but the penalty? I don't know. Do they it's, lose a first-round pick? It's a second offense. So right. isn't it considered greater? Like, you can't right. treat so, it as an so isolated minim- incident. So minimally, it's going to be a monetary fine. But a monetary fine, a monetary fine doesn't, doesn't do You have do to take anything. draft picks away. Right. You have, you have to get people's jobs or take away picks. That's the only way you're going to get their so, attention. So then the question becomes, does Brady use this as an out? I already think he's going. You're the one who tells me that I'm wrong. Where is he going? I not New England. I think he's oh, done well, there. Okay, where is he going then? There's a lot of teams if, in the league that would like a quarterback. Happen, who? There's Take a your... whole bunch of quarterbacks this year that are that are going to be changing teams. Yeah. Well, why do you want a a, a 43 year old quarterback that has if not you're the, played this if you're year? If you're the Bears, well if you're the Bears, wouldn't you want him to mentor Mitch Trubisky a little bit? If you're Denver, wouldn't you yeah. want him to let Drew Luck stay on the bench a little bit? I don't, but see, I don't and think, learn I don't from think him. Brady's just going somewhere else just to go somewhere else. Like, no, he wants like to play San and Francisco win. made sense, but, but the no, Bears but have no. a good defense. Yeah, but I don't know if he wants to go to Chicago. Well, now, now you're talking about something totally different what? than if he'd leave. There are absolutely teams that would want him. If you're Carolina, Cam Newton will be gone next year. Hey, hey, how about Tom Coughlin? Yeah, out. Yeah. Tom Coughlin out for... So how much of that do you think has to do with his signing of Nick Foles? No, I think it has more to do with his treatment of players and them getting caught by the NFLPA. Uh, they had uh, fines rescinded against Fournette for different I things. I know, but uh, but if... Look, if he had if Nick Foles had worked out and they were in oh, the so playoffs, you think, you think that Foles. he would have been fired? Yeah, I, th- I think that the signing of Foles... Ro- was... Robert has another one, the Chargers for Tom Brady. Philip Rivers may not or may not have it anymore. Why would anybody want to go to the Chargers? Because you're playing out now in California. Mm. <laughs> is, is is there a worse place that you could play than the, the Chargers? In L.A. Look, if you're looking for someplace warmer, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying there's teams out there for him. Las Vegas, the Raiders, yeah, be that out there with Gruden. Mm-hmm. You know, help resurrect a franchise in a new place. I mean, there's definitely places that I could see him playing. Is it a convenient excuse for him to leave? Yeah, but I don't think him leaving is a solution to the problem. I think the NFL is going to come down on them pretty hard. Well, I don't think one has to do I, I think that if they come down on him, Brady might have an excuse to leave. I don't think Brady leaving has anything to do with it. Carson Wentz, I want to go back to our quarterback, was yeah. a, sort of a tale of two halves last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, 85 passer rating and 59.7 passer rating in the first and second quarters. Uh 115.4 and 140 for the third and fourth quarter. Still the fumble problem, which he has what to is that correct. about? I don't know. Is is that a product more of the offensive line not being able to protect his backside? It's both. It's that he won't throw the ball away. He doesn't want to play to end. And so he's holding on to it too long. The offensive line he's isn't giving a, him enough time so, to begin with. But you realize he has, a, he has some, at this point in his career, 
I'm surprised at the amount of fundamentals problems he has. So he has, you've just stated the fumble problem, which is holding the ball too long. He doesn't have a steady base and throws off his back which, foot which, high. Which leads him to overthrow guys, especially running backs in the flat that should be easy throws. It, it, it doesn't make, and, and the one that drives me nuts, and here's another pet peeve fest of his grievance, he does not know how to slide feet first, and he's going to get himself killed. He is a, he's one of the guys, because Cam Newton had this problem too. This, this is something that you can easily rectify, and it will save your career. He goes barreling head first, and you can't tell me it's because he's gutsy and needs to get the extra yard. That's not it. I don't think I'd he knows how to slide. I prefer to first. see him slide. He's fumbled 46 times in his career. That's the most in the NFL in that span. He's lost 23 of them. He's lost seven of the last 14 that he's fumbled. Are you worried about him as your quarterback of the future, then? I still think he's the quarterback of the future, but I am concerned that he continues to have these very basic fundamental problems. And I, I think that his lack of a strong base goes back to his knee injury and his back injury. I don't mm -hmm. think he's totally back, and I don't think he's totally comfortable yet. The fumbles, I have no answer for. Uh, you could fix the offensive line, and he still has a fumble problem. Right. He, he needs to know when to end a play. You know, just cut your losses, throw it away, don't no, but, take the but, hit. But that's not something. But you but, either have that but internal. Part clock of it or you also don't. is the play calling of Doug. I would like to see him rolled out more, so he's not a, a sitting duck in the back. Well, why don't they do it? I don't know. That would be that would be something that you would expect. I happen from to Doug, think right? that Carson looks more comfortable when he's throwing on the run at times. Well, it, look look at the play where he threw that into the corner of the end zone. That was that spectacular. Was, that was one of the they and they talked about it during the broadcast was one of the best throws of the year. It was a spectacular yeah. throw and it's funny. He seems to have better balance when he's off balance mm -hmm. than when he's in the pocket at times. I think it's well, I think that there are certain guys that that have better mechanics when they're not thinking about it. And and I think that when you're on the run, when you're rolling out, you tend not to think about what you're doing. You just do it. Yeah. And, and and so for you know for certain guys it is better for them to take that away from themselves. And How about Boston Scott as a weapon? And look, we've meh. seen the we've seen the the swing pass out of the backfield. You can't hold on to the ball either. Yeah, <laughs> he's been he's been all right. Is Jordan Howard ever playing again? Not this season. It doesn't look like. Wow, it's a stinger. Mm-hmm. At the end of the season, there's going to have to be see, questions asked about the Eagles' well, so, health. health. Well, so they changed all their yeah, people. Yeah, but see, that's that's a problem. The fact that they keep calling it just a stinger. It's clearly it, not it's, just they're a not stinger. Making him, but they're not making him look good by calling it a stinger. No, because people think a stinger goes away and right. you should come back and uh -huh. be good. They should call it what it is, a neck injury. All right, your guest for the game on Sunday. We'll hit the break and then we'll come back with our guest. Who's going to win? Yeah. Eagles 23-17. All right. Give you a weird score. All right, I'll take it. Right. Well, why don't we hit the break when we come back? We've got Tom Stone talking a little baseball's best players in each franchise. Stick with us. Sports lets people live their dreams, overcome obstacles, and achieve goals. But what's your unimaginable? Do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? To push your limits? The A Fatty Clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined. To overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with A Fatty on you, the original street leisure clothing brand. 
taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field, it's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. Jeff, uh, you ready to feel warm and talk some baseball? You're it always is. ready to talk baseball some baseball. Baseball season's just around the corner. Just around the corner. Are you counting the days till pitchers and catchers? Report? I can't wait. Yeah, you're you're definitely uh-huh. excited Plus about it. Plus, it means warmth. Let's uh, let's bring on with us uh, Tom Stone, author of the book "Now Taking the Field: Baseball's All-Time Dream Team for All 30 Franchises." Tom, how you doing today? Very good. Thanks. Good to be with you guys. Oh, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. This uh, this book seems like a labor of your life. If I go back and capture it, did you really start this when you were ten years old? <laughs> How old are you now? Seventeen. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm forty six now. No, but um, yeah, by nineteen eighty three, I, I live in Rochester, New York, so northeast, uh, like you guys, and uh, you, know, you can't play baseball year round, uh, and would spend a lot of time as a kid uh, with those big old uh, paper encyclopedias, two thousand page monsters thinking about the Hall of Fame and who the best players are. So I'd spend my winters doing that. And then fast forward to 1999, and it, it definitely became a labor of love, writing the book. Um, now taking the field, it, uh, like other authors and fan surveys over the decades, you know, trying to choose the best players at each position across all, all 30 teams ended up being a, a monster project, but it's good to finally get it out there and published. Well, not only that, but the, but the project had to have changed as you were doing it. Yeah, that's right. I would I would write a few chapters, put it down, you know, change jobs, uh, you know, other things happen in life. And when I would come back to it, I'd be like, wait a second, now there's more players, different different players, wins above replacement, and other sabermetrics came along, so I wanted to incorporate those into the book, not as the only deciding factors, but as one uh, among several deciding, you know, factors in the methodology for choosing the players. But yeah, I mean, Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, for their respective teams, these guys came along since 90, 1999, mostly, and and deserve spots on their respective teams' rosters. So, so the, what I've taken away from the book is is trying how hard it is to to do something that people debate all the time, which is figure out who is the best player at a position, and you've done it for all thirty teams. So, for us, one of the debates you hear often is who is the best shortstop of all time for the Phillies. And the debate usually centers around Jimmy Rollins and Larry Boa. What did you do to try to, to figure out the metrics of it, and what did, what did you conclude? Yeah, so my overall methodology, as I said, was I started with wins above replacement, which is one of those newer stats that really helps you to look at the complete value that a provider played, uh, a, a player provides and, and does so across uh, you know, the different eras of the game in a fairly balanced way. So you can compare dead ball era players with modern-day players, and that's important for a franchise like the Phillies because they go back to the 1800s, right? Um, so in the case of, of shortstop, at, at, uh, you know, for the Phillies, Rollins and Boa were definitely the top two. I looked at war. I looked at peak performance, so what were their best seasons. Uh, I looked at, you know, postseason performance because war only covers the regular season. I looked at honors and awards, like how many times were they an all-star, where Boa actually uh, does better than Rollins. He was an all-star five times, and Jimmy was only an all-star three. Um, you know, how they do an MVP voting, gold gloves for defense, things like that, d- defensive stats, and then traditional stats, too. I did look at 
home runs, stolen bases, batting average, and all, all the traditional stats, not just the new modern stats. So for those two guys, I, I did choose Rollins over Boa. He actually was with the team a, a bit longer, um, a few seasons extra. Um, he definitely had a much better combination of offense and defense. Um, Boa stole a lot of bases, but Rollins actually stole far more and had the power and, you know, the triple hitting ability and, and so on that, that Boa really never had. In fact, I was shocked when I, I knew Larry Boa didn't have much power, but when I saw he only had 13 home runs and almost 7,000 at-bats, that sort of blew my mind. Which fan base gave you the most pushback over your rankings? <laughs> so far, I've gotten pushback from almost all the fan bases. That's one of the fun <laughs> things about this I'm book. I'm shocked. People because don't agree with yeah. the, the having a debate. <laughs> and after, yeah, and after this, you're going to get a lot of angry yeah. Larry Boa fans. Yeah, Larry give you a hard time. You, you may not want to yeah, give out exactly. your email for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, pretty much all of them, uh, really, because I, I chose 30-man rosters. So it's not just a starting lineup and a few pitchers like, like other authors and fan surveys have done over the years. Um, I chose a full 30-man roster, so 30 players, 30 teams, that's 900 picks. No one's going to agree with all 900. And, yeah, the, the teams with the most rabid fans, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Yankees, sounds like the Phillies in Philadelphia, too. Um, you know, they, uh, they, they definitely have things to, to argue about. And I've had a lot of fun. I've, I've waded into those waters intentionally. I go into the, the fan groups on Facebook. I post the roster in depth chart form so it's nice and visual and everything and, and get it going. Oh, and you're, you're you just wait for the for punishment. Com- you wait for the comments to come in. Uh, before I let That's you right. ask uh, Jeff ask you about more position stuff for the Phillies, I did want to ask you about one feature in the book. Uh, in front of each chapter, you had a silhouette of the franchise player letting people figure out if they could guess how many of them for each franchise. How'd that idea come about? Yeah, that, that was just something I wanted to choose an overall franchise player, which I, which I uh, give the name of that player at the end of each chapter. Uh, and I just had the idea, you know, I wanted some sort of imagery. I've got these depth charts. Uh, I've got a lot of stat tables in the book, um, but there's no images. I, I wasn't really on the route of having images for the different players and, and looking into licensing that or, or just gathering all those photos. But I thought, you know, I could just have one nice silhouette and action shot of the player that I end up choosing as the franchise player, which, by the way, for some teams is pretty easy, like George Brett for the Royals or Tony Gwynn for the Padres. For other teams, I'd say Phillies included, but certainly some other teams like the Dodgers, it gets to be a a difficult thing to figure out who the the best overall player for them was. All right, so I'll ask you the the other question that I had, which is is catcher. To me, there's, there's at least four of them. You have Boone, you have Lieberthal. You have Ruiz. Um, you have Dutch. Yeah. How, how, how do you separate those guys out? Yeah, that's really hard. And I actually also included the analysis from some older players um, from the early days of the Phillies and, and, and sort of the mid-years. You could, you could in all, I think I looked at nine different guys for the Phillies at catcher. You could really make an argument for almost any of them. If you look at their total war, for example, the range for the ones you just talked about ranges from 13 to 22. None of those is really high scores for, you know, over 10 seasons. We're talking only two war a season, which is quite low. Um, but, uh, but, the, but the range there is almost nothing. So you can really make a case for any of them. I ended up going with Dalton uh, as the starter. Uh, I was really impressed by his two seasons where he had over, you know, 25 home runs and 100 RBIs. He, while he only batted 245, he, he walked a lot. And so these days we, we value walks more than we used to in the past. And his on-base percentage was over 350 during his time with the Phillies. So uh, he had the highest OPS. 
amongst those guys. So I went with Dalton as a starter. And then I actually went with an earlier player, Andy Semenik, as the backup. But you could certainly make a case for Lieberfall, who had a higher batting average, had some, some, some pop in his bat, Bob Boone with his great defense, um, and Carlos Ruiz as well. Uh, you, could, you could really make a case for any of them. I ended up going with Dalton and Semenik, though. Do a, does a lot of the pushback you get from people that, that, that really think about today's player, the guy that they've seen grow up, what they've grown up watching, as opposed to uh, the guys like you just mentioned, like Andy Semenik? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime you do research, uh, it's a well-known thing in science that there's what's called recency bias, and that's certainly true for sports fans, the ones that you grew up, uh, you know, you, you idolizing. Uh, but the same thing could be true for older folks that grew up with Mickey Mantle. I mean, imagine all those Yankee fans that loved Mickey Mantle, right? They're going to say no one's as good as him. Or Sandy Koufax, same thing with the Dodgers. You know, trying to compare Koufax and Kershaw today. Uh, obviously, Koufax was better in the postseason, than Kershaw has been, but during the regular season, you could make a case that Kershaw's numbers are better. But some of the older generation just wouldn't hear of that. So yeah, there's there's either you know fan bias. Who who did you see, uh, and therefore you might have some bias towards emotionally, and also recency bias in general across all the chapters. Well, we definitely have some recency bias with our pitchers. You got Hamels and Halliday. You've got Carlton and Roberts. How'd you go through breaking that out? Yeah, the Phillies are really loaded at, at pitching. I mean, it seemed like if you look up and down their position. batting lineup. But yeah, yeah, I would argue it probably is. I think you're right up there with the Giants, the Dodgers. There's there's a handful of teams, uh, more so than the Yankees, actually. I mean, the Yankees have a pretty dreaded lineup when you look at their roster, but their pitching isn't nearly as good as, as say, Dodgers, Giants, or, or yes, the Phillies as well. Um, I ended up choosing lefty Carlton as, as, the, as the top all-time. Uh, I only looked at his time with the Phillies, which was the majority of his career, but I didn't, you know, I didn't include his earlier seasons or his last ones. But, um, but even so, uh, all those Cy Young awards, that awesome season when he first joined the club, they had that horrible season, but he won like half their games or something. <laughs> Isn't pretty impressive? So I went with him first. I actually went with a really old-time pitcher, uh, Grover Cleveland Alexander, who's a great Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers of all time. He split his time between the Cubs and the Phillies. I went with him second. And then after that, it got really close. I went with Robin Roberts third because he had that stretch where he was just dominant in the 60s. And then, uh, and then I ended up with Cole Hamels fourth, Kurt Schilling fifth, and Jim Bunning sixth. He would have been higher, except again, I don't count his time for the Tigers, only his time for the Phillies. He, too, had a great stretch of, of four seasons in the, in the mid to late 60s, um, but he ended up being sixth on the roster. And I filled out the rotation, uh, the starting pitchers, rather, with Chris Short and Kurt Simmons two guys that predated uh, Bunning and Roberts a little. Um, so, yeah, great pitching there. Um, not a strong relief pitching, but really, really yes, great starting pitching. that's the story of my life. I, I actually <laughs> – so uh, we when we interviewed uh, – Pat so Mitch Williams is a number one? We, so it, it's funny he says Mitch Williams. <laughs> when we interviewed Pat Borders, who's now a minor league coach for the Phillies, I told him that my life was shaped by Joe Carter's home run off Mitch Williams in 1993 as a Phillies fan, and he always laughs, and he's like, I got a ring. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, yeah, he just, doesn't care about your personal. He does trauma. not care yes. about my personal struggles at all. I, you know, speaking of the personal, though, you know, you're a guy that grew up a baseball fan. What was it like to speak at Cooperstown during Hall of Fame week? Oh, that was great. For one thing, I I had been to Cooperstown six times, but all earlier in my life. I hadn't been there in ten, twelve, maybe fifteen years. My wife had never been to Cooperstown, so that was great to be able to bring her there. And, yeah, it was right after the induction ceremony weekend. I, I wasn't there for that, but it was right after that. I was, I was the author that they had the Wednesday after. So the town was still buzzing. It was really, really crowded. 
Um, and I had a great time. I was in the Bullpen Theater, which is this little theater inside the Hall of Fame, and I gave a presentation on my book and then sold and signed the book afterward at the bookstore. Wait, time out. You said you brought your wife to it. So did you act, are you the lucky guy who found a, a wife who loves baseball? <laughs> or is she, is she just, she has no choice? <laughs> she loves me and, and loves baseball, loves baseball by extension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she, she didn't come to me already a baseball fan, but she certainly is learning a lot by being around me. Yeah, she has no choice at this point. I did want to ask you, uh, well, you went on MLB Network a few a few months ago and uh, had some production meetings before that. One of the guys still at the, the station at the time was Joe Girardi. Any thoughts on the new Phillies manager? Well, yeah. In fact, uh, at that time, uh, during the, the production meeting, uh, you know, people were talking about uh, Bruce Bochy and the, the Giants job would be open. And, and we said, you know, probably one or two other jobs. We didn't realize that I think there were six that were just open recently. Um, but he said to Dan O'Dowd and everyone else in the room, including me, who I just met him, um, that, yeah, he, was, he would throw his hat in the ring and he would be interested in, in whatever jobs became available, Giants or otherwise. And so, yeah, I think you guys are in really good hands. It was great meeting Joe. Great being uh, on the show for, with him for a full hour. That was that was a lot of fun. One of those sort of dream come true moments. So we've had a chance to read the book. Why don't you tell our audience where you can get it? Yeah, thank you. So um, you can go for general information on the book. You can go to my website, which is nowtakingthefield.com. All one word, nowtakingthefield.com. You can, of course, find the book at, at Amazon. It's also at Barnes & Noble stores around the country, sort of hit and miss at this point. Um, but uh, there's also a Kindle version for, for Kindle users, uh, and I, I formatted it well so that it shows up good on, on even on small screens. Well, we encourage everyone to go out and get it, have your franchise debates. And, uh, Tom, we thank you for giving us a little time, and uh, best of luck with the book. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you guys. Thanks have so much. Night. Jeff, uh, where'd you come down on the rankings that he gave? Well, look, it, it, it's hard to argue with statistics, but again, you know, you talk about the bias and the recency bias. He didn't even put Halliday on his list of pitchers. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Halliday was here for less than four seasons. Okay. So I think that's it. it, it remember, he kept saying that he didn't include players' time elsewhere. So if you included Halliday's time with the Blue Jays, I think that's a whole different analysis because, I mean, his career is a Hall of Fame career. So I understand why he didn't include that. But you sit there and you look, and, and I look, I get Dalton, but Carlos Ruiz, maybe it's because yeah, you're of the a world. Chooch guy. So, you I, have a soft spot in your heart for well, Chooch. Well, no, it wasn't. He just, there's certain things that I don't know if you can capture in the, in, in just looking at statistics, and that I mean, think about how he the managed the pitchers and and, and the um, how it just always seemed like he had the clutch hit, even when he wasn't having great hitting seasons. He just seemed to be the guy that came through with that hit, the flare up the middle. It just there was something about his his ability to take the dramatic. Moment. This is what makes books like that fun, though. And unfortunately, I don't have the the historical knowledge to bring in those people from the 1800s and the 1900s. Yeah, you kind of tilted your head like a cu curious dog when he said Andy Semenik. <laughs> Look, I, I barely know the people that are on the team By the way, since so I've did been I. alive. Yeah, right? You didn't know either. Come on, don't act like that. By the way, not that you should be surprised. Nobody has called in and offered you their Milwaukee Bucks Sixers tickets Are yet. you kidding me? Just How much time do we have left? Got 11 minutes left. Oh, You're running out of time man. to get tickets. You did have Keith Pompey hanging out with you last week, so clearly you didn't miss me. But then afterwards, you went on Keith Locked on Sixers podcast you're like branching out the media conglomerate that is Jeff Cohen out no, there. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm my just preaching our message. My man. podcasts are downloading. All of a sudden, I see Jeff Cohen someplace else. 
It's like, oh, okay. But I by did. The, by but the you way, did you did talk about something that was cool? Okay, you go the by the way, and then I'll go uh, what I think was, was cool. I just thought it was interesting. Keith is a great writer. Okay, and and he he breaks so many stories. It's but some of the the articles that he's written, some some of the stories that he's told about the behind the scenes of the players of Tobias Harris. I mean, his, his story last year on Tobias Harris was great. And the story th- about Matisse, it's a great story. And, and I, I have the chance to talk to Keith a lot. And, and there's so much more that couldn't be included in that story. And I, I think what's fascinating is people don't understand. Look, a beat writer is a hard job. I mean, you are, people think, oh, they just sit there and watch the game. You got deadlines during the game. I mean, you're writing your stories during a game. Try writing while you're actually doing something else. It's very hard to do. And and despite doing all that, he finds time to get on planes. And for the Matisse story, Matisse is from Seattle. That's what I was going to ask you about, the story. And I, I thought you did a good job teasing it out of him, and he did a really good job of explaining it. You know, you don't often hear how that kind of story comes together. Yeah. And and you got him to sort of talk about that a little bit on that podcast. So if you're looking for an interesting backstory on how a story that's in-depth on a player like Matisse Tybel comes together, check out Keith's Locked on Sixers podcast with I mean, Jeff. I mean, think, and of, think about it. it. It takes you five, ten minutes to read a story like that. It takes him months, months to, to write a together. story like that and get on planes and go talk to parents and grandparents and coaches and other players. I mean, I thought it was fascinating. Matisse's high school, which is a small high school out by Seattle, has six has six current or former NBA players, starting with Jamal Crawford. Well, let's let's go to Jamal Crawford in a second. I did want to ask you about the other thing that happened when you and Keith were hanging out. What was that? Trey Burke's dad found Instagram. Who? Well, he no, no, he didn't. Fi- to be fair, he didn't find it. <laughs> he found it a long time ago because uh, Trey. One of the things that that came out, it was actually breaking while we were we were doing the podcast. Was Trey's father tweeted and and Keith wrote a story about it that was even picked up in the Detroit News. So uh, for people who didn't think it was a story when it first broke, it was a story. <laughs> um, and his father wrote that, that basically the Sixers were not using his son and that maybe he should be traded. And, and Kyle and, O'Quinn liked it. Yeah. And which so, became another story the next day. Uh, uh, that's the the whole point of all this is, is to me, especially living in Philadelphia for as long as I have, is... is I cringe when, when, and as somebody who's coached, when at least parents in are speak, involved, it is we all have the Eric Lindros taste that has see, never gone over. I, I still remember the McNabb parents too. Yeah, see, so, so you have those situations, and then you have Trey Burke who is busting his butt, trying to make a difference on this roster. I, I mean, I, I've seen him at practice. Uh, we talked to him before the season started, and. And then his father comes out and says something that causes not just a distraction to the team, but makes it more difficult for his son. And if you go back, you can find that his father did this before. Uh, and Trey was was a little tougher on his dad the first time it happened when he was in Utah and, and explained how it was making it difficult. He, Trey has matured and tried to use the right words and I'm sure listens to the pre- PR people. But his dad did not make this easy on him. And Kyle O'Quinn, who always comes across as as kind of the, the nice guy and the team leader, that was not what you needed to be doing was was liking that. It doesn't make sense to me, and it just creates a distraction that wasn't necessary. And for those people, and I will t- I'm not without, without saying who they are, saying 
that the story shouldn't have been written. The story should have been written. It needs to be written, and people need to know what's going on with this team. What's the but, argument against writing that story? Like, why doesn't somebody find that relevant? That a player's parent. What they is, say? What's the big deal? It's not the player, and and and, and that that's that misses the don't, point. Don't you kind of have to know at that point that anybody who speaks for you speaks for you? Well, es- <laughs> especially now, especially uh, in this type I of mean, media climate. Well, it's not just the media climate. How many parents are now involved with their professional athlete child's career as? as agents, as quasi-agents, as people that are constantly behind the scenes gnawing at the front office that their their son or their daughter needs to get more playing time. This is going on all the time. And, and to me, what I'm concerned about is what does this say about Brett Brown? What does this say about the Sixers' lead, leadership or lack thereof? Who on this team is a leader? When, when I'm watching the game, I see Al Horford leading by example and leading by teaching. But not leading by voice. No. There's nobody on this team that is going to stand up to the stars, let alone the guys that are on the bench, which, and say, cut it out. Which gets me to Jamal Crawford, who still does not have a team and would basically fill that type of role as a vocal leader on a team. And what you How also, is he still not signed by somebody? It, what, what is going well, on? Uh, forget the somebody. How is he not signed by the Sixers? The Sixers need shooting. They need offense. They need something off the bench like, I'm going to date myself, but the old Vinnie Johnson from the the Pistons. Right. That's what they need. See, I'm not that young. And that's what, I mean, Jamal Crawford has been in this league for a long time, and Jamal Crawford is a borderline Hall of Fame player as as the consummate six man. Maybe one of the greatest six men. Is that your Michigan bias? No, it isn't. No. He was only there for like a cup of coffee. He was one of the guy, original guys who came out really early. Um, he's he's been that good for that long. But the bigger part of this is is that, that a lot of people didn't realize was that Matisse's mentor is, is Jamal, Jamal Crawford. Crawford. So there's a double reason there. Plus, I think that he's he can be that vocal leader. I don't understand why he's not on this team now, except all I keep hearing, the scuttlebutt is the Sixers want him, but they think he'll be there around the deadline. What are you waiting for? Why would you wait? What? what have we? Did we not learn the lesson from last season that players need time to gel and that when you make changes, it takes longer than 20 games? Oh, you're taking away one excuse if they don't make it, if they actually bring him in early, Jeff. You want to talk about a player who was vocal really, last you, you year? Think, you, wait, you think that you think the team is making decisions to protect themselves from arguments of failure? No, I if, don't. I think it just happens to be because if that's happening, then this is a bad organization. No, I think that I. Still, I don't think it's. I happening, still think that they're trying to figure out what they have with their pieces, but I've come to Why? the conclusion well, from what I've wait, seen that I don't think their pieces are what, enough. What piece? What piece do you think that they haven't figured out what they can do? I think that they should have realized it. I don't think that they have accepted what they have yet. I think there is a piece that is an important piece that hasn't figured out himself how to be. Is his. that a seven foot two piece? No. Well, that's. I mean, that's to me the bigger problem is Ben, ben Simmons. Is Ben is not realizing his potential and what and it's all going to be on display on Christmas. Because Giannis is a very similar player Did to Ben Simmons. Did you see Giannis's quote last night? Go ahead. I'm going to keep shooting 
even if I don't make it, I'm going to keep shooting. Yeah. So something to that effect. Right. Because, ben needs that attitude. Well, my team needs me to shoot is what Giannis said. It, it, if nothing else besides it's confidence, but the more you do it, if you do the more it comfortable well, you feel not only comfortable, but it mu- it's muscle memory and he's not doing it and he's not doing it in games. And all I keep hearing is Brett Brown saying, I want him to shoot at least one a game. Well, he's not doing it. Well, I just you're the coach. Though. That's silly. Why well, just one? And look, the but fact that think- he didn't shoot played into the fact that Miami was able to neutralize them with a zone the other day and pack it in because he knew that Simmons would get the ball and he wouldn't do anything with it out on top of the kick. And by the way, did you not notice Tobias being a lot more vocal in that game? A, a lot, lot more, more emotional. Yes. They don't like each other. No. And and it, Tobias I needs to play think, with that fire. I still don't think that the choice for the Sixers was between Tobias and Jimmy. I think the choice was between Ben and Jimmy. Right. I, I agree with you. That, that's but, what the, the but choice I'm, that but they I'm made But I'm telling was. you, Ben, ben is going to be on full display on Christmas Day. Forget Embiid. This is going to be about... Ben is a very similar player. He had a very similar body type at the same age. And if you look at what Giannis turned himself into, you know, he was the Greek freak because of the the potential that he had and the skills he had at his height. But if you look at him when he came in the league, he was he was a skinny guy. And he has busted his butt and turned his body into like, I mean, it's ridiculous what he's done. And now he's worked on his game. And every time he sees a flaw, that's what he comes back he with works the on fire to work on. And now, how do you stop him? And and so Ben has exactly the same skill ability. And the question is whether he's going to work at it. And, and my concern is whether or not they have people in the organization who can say to Ben, just like they should be able to say to Joel, this is what you need to do, and you better do it. We got about a minute left. We are going to do a best of show next week. Any any thoughts on the last year from you? We've interviewed everybody from the armless archer to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It, it's, it's been uh, a crazy, crazy year for us. Any any thoughts? It, it's been it's been great because what we've taken away and, and people like Larry Boa and not just talking to them about the sports issues of the day and their own career, but also what they've done in the community and and getting the word out there. We're not there. We're not here to be their champions, but but we're here to tell their to let them tell their stories. It, it has definitely been a fun time. Any last thoughts uh, before we wish everybody a happy new year? Well, let's hope that the Cowboys are miserable on Sunday. Yeah, we will uh, be back after the new year, all rested and ready to come back with you. Thank you so much for joining us this week and all year long. Make and sure happy to, Festivus. Make sure to join us next Friday night for our recap show as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.